Welcome to Cinebabble, episode 66. I am your host, Ken, and as always, I am joined by my co-host, legendary European car racer and automobile designer, Clint Jones. Clint, tell the world hello. Hey, Ken. Hey, world. I I barely made it out of this last race. (laughs) There was a fiery car crash, but somehow I was flung free, and I survived, and I'm here with you. Flung is the key word. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It It was pretty graceful, though. Um, at first, human flight is always graceful at first, and then it's sort of... You just gotta, like... Baby birds to the ground. Well, yeah, once the gravity takes over, it gets a little messy. Yeah. You know, we're one six away from Mark of the Beast territory. <laughs> oh, in episode 66, yeah, we're, we're 10%. We're, uh, we're almost there. Yeah. Uh, we got quite a ways to go, but yeah. yeah. I almost wish episode 66 was like our Halloween episode, but... Yeah, we might have to pace ourselves so oh. that happens. <laughs> Yeah, Clint, uh, COVID finally came to my house. We had avoided it. It did. It did. We finally avoided it, or we had avoided it for two and a half years. Yeah. Two and a half, Clint. Mm -hmm. And then it descended upon the Brown household with fury. And it was really more of a whimper. Yeah. But it just kind of sucked. And Mm -hmm. uh, I got got very lonely. I watched quite a lot of things, but I got very lonely. And uh, just when when are we going to... Is this going to be the end of, of podcasting? Oh, no. COVID finally but, took us out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the idea of COVID took us out once upon a time. Now yeah. COVID swoops in to actually finish the job. Mm-hmm. But now we're here. And uh, honestly, it just felt like a cold. So God bless vaccines. Yeah. How's vaccines going for you, Clint? The one I had was pretty good. And uh, <laughs> my fear shots have prevented anything uh, oh. further in that area. But either I haven't got it at all, or the last three months I've had it complete, just the entire time. I can't tell. <laughs> maybe, or maybe you are a sloop, super flu, just Clint Jones super I, flu. I'm just spreading it yeah. everywhere. It's yeah, like, like a little magical zero. fairy of COVID and <laughs> you're disease. The, you're the little capuchin monkey in <laughs> Outbreak. <laughs> All right. Well, Clint, uh, I know we've been watching a ton of things, uh, so maybe this is better done as a speed round of what you're watching. But Clint, what you watching about? Do you want to still go back and forth or do you want sure. to? Okay. Yeah, let's do it. Um, I'll start off with something I watched just this morning. Okay. And um, that it's something I've been looking forward to since I saw it was coming out, but this is a uh, Moon Age Daydream. Oh, okay. Um, by the director Brett Morgan, who did that montage of heck about Kurt Cobain. That the I one that hurt about. my brain. Yes. Yes, but this is about David Bowie. This is correct? about David Bowie, and um, it's done. So I'm not sure if I'm recommending this to you because of how the montage of heck hurt your brain. It's the exact same style. Um, is it as chaotic? Yes. Really? Yeah. Even for David Bowie? It, but it totally works. Okay. Especially with when you get into his like visual art and mm-hmm. stuff and he was into like um, video art and stuff and it, it works with the style and I okay. like, especially when you go deeper into him. Yeah. I'll, and I'll try it. It, you know, never know. I, I love it. I, I thought it was fantastic. It really, I love that they're not these straight biopics about artists. They can get really talk, head talky, like mm-hmm. an interviewee about yeah. people who like were kind of close to them. Um, but I really like that the, he's, this um, director, Brett Morgan, is really capturing kind of like the inner artist and the personality of the person and what the music means mm. and, um, 
trying to describe music visually in this very interesting way. And I, I don't know, it's it's more of a, not even a straight documentary, I would call it. It's like more of its, its art piece in itself with David Bowie at the center of it. And I, I was really impressed by it and uh, just kind of going into Bowie as this artist rather than going into every single like oh this Gary did this thing mm-hmm. and it was more just his inner philosophy on art and life okay. and stuff i i thought it was great interesting yeah right. yeah i'll i'll check it out i also watched a documentary i uh I watched one called old school and it's on amazon prime uh-huh. and it's animated and it's it called is very, my old school yes my old school i sorry. watched this too uh and um the the subject of the documentary didn't want to appear on camera, yeah. but he was willing for his voice to appear. Mm-hmm. And so they hired actor Alan Cummings to mm-hmm. basically lip sync yeah. his it's, – it's a very strange documentary, but it's also a very strange story. Yeah. Um, uh, about this adult male that just decided, you know, I'm I'm going to pose as a student in this mm-hmm. uh, Scottish school, mm-hmm. and it's it's a very strange uh, exploration of just somebody trying to get a get a do over, yeah, and yeah. Uh, lots of twists and turns, but kind of a folksy, simple twists and turns. It's it's not kind of like you know, a folk tale, yeah, like. It, just like something that you th- would think, like, oh, they made it up. Yeah, l- but exactly. it really they have documentation that it actually happened, and it's kind of fascinating to watch unfold. Nothing salacious really happens. It's not like he, you know, starts relationships with students or something the kiss, like man, that. The kiss. Oh, the kiss, the kiss. But they really build it up uh, to where it's it's this giant thing, and then they all dismiss it, and then you get to see actual footage. Yeah, and <laughs> it's worse than you. It's way yeah. worse than they described. Yeah, um, so it, it does have some some nice little twists to it that that make you question things you've heard. But uh, it was it was an interesting way to put together a documentary mm-hmm. with very uh, kind of debilitating limitations. I mm-hmm. thought they worked with it pretty well. Um, I don't. I don't know that I thought it was great, but I just, uh, it kept my interest the whole time and I, I found it kind of low-key fascinating. So. Yeah, I actually really enjoyed it. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. So that was that was first on my list. What else have you been watching? Oh, this is something, I mean, I have a lot of stuff left over from when we were going through horror movies for yeah. Halloween. Yes, so, um, so even I think a lot of our talk this week will probably just be like Halloween part two. Yeah. But this was something that I found towards the end of um, my horror movie viewing. But um, man, every year Criterion like is upping their game on horror movies and stuff that you like really haven't um, maybe heard of or just not ha- have really decided to dive into. But Sometimes they them shining a light on it like makes me interested to watch it. So this movie is called The Hidden mm. from 1987, um, directed by Jack uh, Shoulder. It's got Kyle MacLachlan in his in it, and they man, released this on Criterion. Well, they they didn't release it, but they on the channel they okay. they get a lot of stuff yeah. that like maybe yeah. you haven't heard of, and it's not mm-hmm. that they're putting it out, but it's just they get these really great collections of stuff, yeah. and they'll have it for the season, okay. um, and. This has it's like one of the wa- it's a really wacky movie. Have you seen this movie? I have. Yeah. Um just it, a few months ago actually. Really? Uh somebody had talked about it and I went hunting for it and found mm. it and watched it. It kind of reminded me of the movie Repo Man. Mm-hmm. I actually really like this movie a lot. I I actually was surprised how much I was caring for Kyle MacLachlan's character and I love just the um 
the lo-fi uh, sci-fi element to it that mm-hmm. it, like at the center of it. And it's just crazy kind of action movie too. It's got a lot going on and it's kind of a product of that time period. Yep. And it's got like punk rock in the middle of it, kind of like Repo Man does. But Like a jelly donut. It's just squishy in there in the middle. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but if you haven't seen The Hidden, check it out. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it, and uh, I'll probably revisit that again next year. Yeah, movies from that time period are always really hit or miss for me, but this one felt like a nice little gem yeah. um, that uh, definitely shows its its 87 cheese, but also I lo- uh, just has a really good time with it. I love yeah. that time period in film, so yeah, check it out. Yeah. I kept on my Amazon kick. For some reason, I just got stuck in Prime and just started digging through yeah. things that I've added onto my list. But I also got some new things. Uh, and I'm going to put these two together. One's called Run, Sweetheart, Run. And one's called The Devil's Hour. Mm-hmm. And Run, Sweetheart, Run is a movie about uh, a, a woman who goes kind of on a blind date. But it's more entertaining a client mm-hmm. um, for her boss. But he turns out to be basically this maniac serial killer that kills women. Oh, okay. Um, But it goes in different directions from there. Mm -hmm. And it was one of those movies that that kept me attached because I kept feeling it getting weirder and weirder. And it would turn into that weird. Uh, And so I was really happy about that. And I followed it through to the end. But by the end, it just felt like it didn't really know how to go as weird as it wanted to go. Okay. Um, it was it was okay. Uh, but it it just I don't know. I don't know if it held its its cards too long or maybe it played them too early or I, I couldn't really put my finger on it. Yeah. Um but it was it was a, a good spooky run. And then the Devil's Hour was a um I believe limited series and it stars um Oh, uh, what's his old face uh, that just played the <laughs> one of the doctors on Doctor Who? Uh-huh. Um, I know who you're talking. You about. know that yeah. guy that whose name escapes me, and I should have written down. But anyway, uh, he's he's sort of uh, captured, and he's believed to be a serial killer. And they bring in um, the the mother of, of one of his possible victims mm-hmm. because that's the only one he'll talk to. And it's it's got a, a bit of. It's not a time travel movie. It does something really interesting with the idea of time and how time works. Okay. And by the time it unraveled it all, I really came to appreciate it. But this, like Run, Sweetheart, Run, was one where it kept me on because I was waiting for the reveal Mm -hmm. of what they were doing. And once they they revealed it, I really respected the reveal, but I don't know that they executed it so well. Okay. Okay. This one obviously took a lot longer to watch, mm-hmm. um, but both kind of had that that same feel for me. But I could really see them both working for somebody. And so, you know, Devil's Hour and, and Run, Sweetheart, Run, they're both on Amazon. Uh, Devil's you know. Hour was a series? It was, yeah, it was a limited series. Oh, okay. It definitely looks like it came from BBC or yeah, Sky yeah. or something like that. Mm-hmm. It just had that tone to it. Um, that it, it was it was worth watching. And again, the the central premise uh, turns out to be really strong. I just, it, it was one of those things that came down to the last episode and I, it, they really could have leaned into it more and, and done some more crazy things with it. And mm-hmm. not quite sure I liked how they landed Okay, uh, everything they had set up, but uh, you know, what are you going to do? Yeah. What else, Clint? <laughs> what you going to do, Ken? What you going to do? What you going to do with what you're going to watch? What, mm-hmm. what, uh, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> That nice didn't try. work at all. That's okay. Um, 
the next thing I watched was on Netflix. And this was a movie that I had watched the preview for it a couple of weeks ago. And I was fascinated by it. It had a great cast. Um, and this is The Stranger, mm-hmm. directed by uh, Tom Wright. It's got Joel Ed- Edgerton, Ed- Edgerton and uh, Sean Harris. And um, I will say, if you have any interest in it, if you've seen the trailer, like, don't watch or read much else than that. Yeah, 100% I saw this and I completely agree with you. Don't like because I was so surprised by this movie. I thought it was going to be a run of the mill kind of like stylish from the trailer, but kind of a run of the mill um like crime movie about these criminals or or something in that vein. And where it goes and what it does with the characters really actually blew me away. Yeah. And yeah. I thought the style of the movie was fantastic. It, it kind of reminded me of that Rover movie mm-hmm. um, with Robert Pattinson from, I don't know, what, five or six years ago. And where what it does, like, story-wise, and I think it's actually based somewhat loosely on real events, mm-hmm. is so interesting mm-hmm. and so captivating. And, like, I was on the edge of my seats of, like, and I actually started, like, I cared for both characters. Yeah. I, I understood where everyone was coming from, especially it's, in a way, it's, like, very minimal with dialogue and stuff. It's low-key in that way. And so what they do with their performances just to convey their relationship and, mm-hmm. like, what is happening uh, plot-wise is amazing. I actually would, this is going to probably be on my list for the year yeah. of best films. And yeah, I, I would also highly recommend it. Yeah. It was it was not it starts out and i thought it was a fairly it well acted but a fairly standard kind of organized crime yeah small story uh but it it turned out very quickly um you know i started to realize this is something more and then by the end like my goodness this was a completely different film than, yeah, there's than a what point, i had thought there's a point in the middle where it reveals like things about the characters yeah. and what it actually is. And I'm like, whoa, I was not expecting this at all. And um, it made it so much more fascinating. Oh. And uh, I, yeah, I would actually want to sometime talk about it even more because, um, yeah, if you haven't seen or heard anything about this, check it out. Yeah, I thought it was fantastic. Even just for the performances. Oh, yeah. They're incredible. It's um, And it's like the style of it is actually really great. It's very moody. Yeah. Um it's yeah, it's great. This is one of those movies. I know every year when we end up talking about Oscars and things like that, I know you get frustrated because these are the films you think of and they get zero recognition. Yeah, and uh, it's just it doesn't have a giant studio behind it, and it's not going to have a bunch of ads and things like that, and so it'll get forgotten. But mm-hmm. it's it's an incredible piece of filmmaking, and it's gorgeous too. Oh, it is. Um, yeah. The cinematography is very bleak, but it re- really has a an atmosphere and a tone to it. Yeah, and there's it, a strange, like, surreal nature to it yeah. um, that they weave in really naturally. Um, but, yeah, I thought it was fantastic. Yeah. The next thing I watched was on Netflix, and it's All Quiet on the Western Front. Oh, okay. Uh, which is a war film, but really um, a war film presented more as a horror film. Yeah. Um, because it was just a very dark and heavy sort of traipse through World War One, uh-huh. uh, But it, I found it very interesting because it was from the German perspective. Mm-hmm. And that's a really fine line to walk when <laughs> you're, you're, you're literally dealing with proto-Nazis. Yeah. And you have to make them sympathetic and you have to make them um, – but, but really it just does a, a fine job of just focusing in on the war. 
And I I don't know. It's it's definitely not a film I would recommend as in like, oh, watch this and you're going to feel good things. It's it's really just the horrors of war. Yeah. And um, it's it's well made and it's it's well done. And I had never read the book mm-hmm. uh, even in college or anything. And so I didn't really know a lot going into it. But from what I read afterwards, it's it's quite a bit different than the book. It kind of takes its its cues from, but then mm. embellishes and and kind of ropes in some other uh, you know, true to life stories and things like that. Um, but if you're if you're a war buff, it's it's definitely worth watching. Um I don't think it's as strong as as something like um nineteen seventeen or, you know, any of those kind of films. Um, I started watching it, and I actually appreciated that it wasn't trying to do something like 1917. Like, it was much more grounded and not... Like, I liked 1917 a lot, but it was so dependent on the... Like I like doing it in this one take thing yeah. that it was a little like I, I was very impressed by that movie, but it's it, you think about it and it's a little distracting. Yeah. Um, and this I appreciated that it was more just about the characters. I need to finish it, yeah. but it's just one of those like you're saying it's a very bleak movie, and I've had a hard time getting back to it. Yeah, it's it's not one that ropes you in and makes you want to finish. Yeah, yeah it's, even it's a, really hard to watch sometimes. Yeah. So yeah, and and keep going to the end, but it's not going to get any easier. But no, I don't. It's, expect it's a to. really well made film, yeah, and uh, definitely recommend that one. Mm-hmm. And I also just to mention it, it it does a lot of back and forth. I don't know if you're at that point yet. It does a lot of back and forth between kind of the cushy uh, uh, yeah, life I, in yeah. in Germany among the officers mm-hmm. and the people who are essentially trying to barter for peace, right? And their perspective in sending these people to war and and how it doesn't quite line up with the reality of the ground. I yeah. thought that was very interesting too. I, w- I mean, from as far as I got into it, um, I was really impressed with how they were trying to convey the idea of the machinery of war yeah. and like how they're just turning through these these young men and like the clothes that like they're mending yeah. and then they're like trying to explain like why there's blood and it's like oh sorry like yeah. I don't know it was I was really interested in that idea it was it was cool I feel like um, Mad God is almost the surreal. Um, uh, yeah. uh, stop motion animated yeah. adaptation of All Quiet <laughs> on the Western Front because there were a lot of moments where I was just like, oh, this is very mad God. Yeah. And just throwing poor gray suited straw men at, at some giant war machine mm-hmm. and watching them get crushed. Right. And, ugh. Anyway. Um, the last thing I wanted to talk about, actually, I have two more. I'll, I'm just going to lump these together real okay. quick. Um, I think we should talk about this at some point, but Wendell and Wild, which is hmm. this animated stop motion animated ser- um, show that or movie that came out around Halloween on Netflix. And um, this is directed by Henry Selick, who did Nightmare Before Christmas mm-hmm. and Coraline and James the Giant Peach. Like, Yeah, just, just to reemphasize, Tim Burton did not make these films. Uh. <laughs> no, it's uh, – yeah, Nightmare Before Christmas is uh, based on a story by right, him. But right. He just – he seems to get a lot of – I know he's not running around saying, you know, hey, these are my movies. But people think they're Tim Burton movies because his name – as yeah, a producer is slapped across. I know, them. and that I I was reading a thing with um, uh, Henry Selick about that, and how like it was very last minute on Nightmare Before Christmas mm-hmm. that they decided to put Tim Burton's name right up front, and he's always been a little frustrated by yeah. that. That like he's like I directed this thing, like I made it like 
me and um oh what's his name who did the music for it mm-hmm. uh like made this thing and like then they slapped his name on it right at the end was and it always frustrated him yeah um but I wanted to read the synopsis for this because it's like the most generic synopsis, <laughs> like and it, it like completely does not like I don't know paint a picture of what this movie actually is. Okay, so the two devious demon brothers, Wendell and Wild, have to face their arch enemy with the help of the nun sister Helly. Um, who is notorious for expelling demons. However, the brothers are not only plagued by her, but also by her altar boys. It was, there's like no altar. I don't even remember altar boys in this thing. And it's like, the, like let's talk, where is the main character who is like, be can like be in touch with um these demons and mm-hmm. like has a connection to them like they completely don't even talk about her. It's so strange. Like they don't even like they gloss over the major story points of this movie. Regardless of that, I thought this was fantastic. Um, it was a much more like modernized version of uh, other uh, the other movies he's done, like dealing with things that we're dealing with in modern life, you know, just like, you know, race. And I mean, not that that's not been something through time, but just in the way we're talking about it now, like race and um, uh, just like gentrification and all mm-hmm. kinds of things. But uh, I thought the animation was fantastic. It was It was really... Um, in the style of the other ones he's done, but he also let like kind of a looseness to it where there it's not like completely Disney-fied and perfect. Like you can see the seams on the faces where they didn't uh, bother to cover uh, cover it up digitally. And I think it added a nice little element hmm. to it. Um, but it's really good. It's got uh, Ke- Jordan Peele and Keegan-Michael Key mm-hmm. as the Demon Brothers. And they're in pure, like, complete Key and Peele mode, <laughs> like, voices and everything. Yeah. And uh, it's really, like, kind of heartwarming to see them together, in the, even if it's in stop-motion form. Um, but definitely check it out if you like stop-motion movies. Okay. Um, and the other thing I wanted to talk about, which I'll probably talk about a little bit more once we get into some of the other things we want, we're going to like really cover, but, uh, the midnight club, mm-hmm. um, created by Mike Flanagan, who's, who did, uh, um, haunting of Hill house and mid, uh, midnight mass and, uh, haunting of Blair Manor and, uh, Dr. Sleep. Like he's everything he's done. I've really enjoyed. Um, this is a kind of not a departure. It's definitely in the same like world as those uh, those series, but this is very almost like young adults, um, like a YA novel because it's all these young very young characters who are at this hospice. They're all dying from different diseases, and every night they get together in the library and tell stories. So it's actually at the heart of it a very good um, anthology series, but the main focus is everything that ties it together. Hmm. So it's like all these great characters that you're getting to know and care about, and then they go to the library and tell their stories, and it's like this very smart anthology series. That's cool. Um, and it's very well done. Huh. If it's if. I don't know. You might get turned off at first by it just being about these teens, but actually the characters are all very well developed and written. Um, and then in the style of all his other series where he really takes the time with characters cool. and makes you care about them and where they're going and what they've gone through. And then at the night, there's these nice stories at the center of it too. 
Okay. Check it out. Okay. Uh, the last thing I want to talk about is um, this 2021 ecological horror film called Gaia. And mm. I've been circling this for quite a while. Uh, it had a good trailer, but I would recommend not watching the trailer. It's a South African film, but it's about um, this park ranger who ends up stranded in the middle of the rainforest, essentially. Mm. And there are these two survivalists that sort of take her into their their cabin. Um, they are very much kind of living off the earth, but there's some sort of creature in the forest. Okay. And this goes in in weird and wonderful directions. And it's it's very much kind of a, a biological horror film. Hmm. Uh, there's, there's a lot of body horror, and, and it's really... Uh, it goes out of its way to to kind of make it a a feasible horror film okay. that's not just based on like a supernatural creature or something like that. But it's uh, there's there's is it some like supernatural sci- elements to it? Okay. But it's much more almost like uh, Annihilation, okay, or like um, oh, what's the video game that they're making into a series on HBO uh, with the weird fungal uh-huh. creatures? Um, it's it's yeah. kind of like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it it does it does a lot of really interesting things. It's got some good performances, uh, and and the story holds up. And the characters are just weird enough to to make the the mysteries feel more organic. Hmm. Uh, and surprisingly, has a whole kind of uh, weird left turn into Abraham and Sarah and Isaac, and it's it's <laughs> really pulling from some old. Uh, stories and some old archetypes and things like that. And um, what was this called again? It's called Gaia. Gaia. Okay. Yeah, and it's it's got kind of a, a Lovecraft vibe to hmm. it. It's got an Annihilation vibe to it. Um, and for for such an, a low budget indie, it does not look like a low budget hmm. indie. Um, is it better than Glorious? Oh yes. <laughs> oh yes. Yeah. Uh, this is yes. This is one I am. I am actually recommending. Okay. Uh, not just a oh, you gotta see this because I want to know what you think. It's 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 a solid, it's it's a solid flick. Mm-hmm. Um it I you know, when it cracked my top ten last year or anything like that, but it's just it's it's worth checking out. It's got some really good uh practical effects, and when it uses digital effects, they're very minimal hmm. and uh integrated into some some practical work. Nice. Um, and actually, you know, now that I say that, it wouldn't surprise me if I went and watched a YouTube video. And a, a lot of the stuff that I kind of pegged as digital effects were um, almost time-lapse growing fungal yeah. plant life. But I think you could do that just by shooting it backwards and having them retract oh, and then right. playing it forward. Yeah. So now that I say that, I maybe it didn't even use mm-hmm. uh, a lot of uh, CG. Mm. Um but it, it, if it was CG, it looked really good. Yeah. And if it wasn't, just really, you know, clever, practical effects. So, uh, but yeah, I'd, I'd recommend that one. Sweet. Yeah. So, uh, as always, you can find us at www.cinebabblecast.com. And then you can find us on Instagram at Cinebabble. Uh, I swear I'm going to get to some questions today as we talk because <laughs> I keep saying that and then I forget all about it as we get talking. Um, but I've got some good stuff to talk about uh, that people have sent in. Uh, but first, uh, we are up to, I believe, episode 11 of Andor. Did yeah, you watch this week? I did. Yeah, And so I think it is I, – I keep waiting for an episode where I'm like, oh, we'll just wait until the finale and then we'll talk about it one more time. But my goodness, Clint, I love this series. Let's do some love letters to Andor. I got my pen. You got your pen. All right. Falling in love again with Andor. 
So, uh, how how are you feeling so far? Where are you at? We got one episode of this this first season left. Yeah, um, man, I I love it every, every episode even more and more. Like I'm so impressed by it every episode. I I haven't wavered at all. Yeah. Like I think they could have a bad episode at this time. Like I don't even I'm not going to even say like that the last episode has to be the most amazing ever. I'm yeah. still completely convinced by it and i think i would still be just as excited for the next season of it um but i don't think that's going to happen like i i've been so happy with it and i i don't know like we've had like three episodes since we last talked about it yeah probably i mean we've had two prison episodes and then the first part of this last two-parter yeah one of the things that impressed me just with this last episode, I was expecting, okay, you've got two episodes left. You're going to bring all your characters together, and this is going to be this almost movie-level two-parter, and it's going to be really climactic. Not this show. And, no, not this show. No. It was a really quiet yeah. and reflective episode for for your penultimate episode of your first season. That's, that's really confident, and I loved it. And there is this really cool uh, space battle uh, towards the end of this thing, but that's not even what lands the punch. It's this quiet scene on a beach yep. that just, you would think, and in any other show, you know, the the little space battle be your showstopper, but even that's like one ship versus a handful. I, I and, will say, I think that's one of the best Star Wars moments of yep. anything in, like, since the original stuff. Yep. Like, that was so, like, I love that, in the middle of this very grounded series, like they did it another moment in this episode too, that very grounded, but they can bring back like the classic Star yeah. Wars like elements and it works even better. Yeah. Like it doesn't feel out of place at all. Yeah. Like it just like heightens it because you're like really invested in all these characters and what they're going through that you can have like this amazing really cool like space moment um i was so like on board with that and also like this episode they brought back some very classic like star wars alien yeah like stuff like where it's almost kind of goofy but it's like still very grounded and makes sense and like is almost just a nice like the perfect level of uh levity in it to um especially after the entire three episode prison yeah arc those were some heavy episodes and then to just have this moment of yep weird aliens and it it went right up to the line but just did it well enough to to make it light and allow it to move on yeah they weren't overly cartoony it was more just like the fact that like we're not seeing as many of alien characters in this series they're they're very just matter of fact and presenting okay there's some aliens at this moment but um they yeah it was really well done and that's coming on the heels of episode 10 was incredible yeah uh, and i don't want to talk a lot about the plot because if you're not watching this show you need to be watching this show mm-hmm. but it was something where in any other series there is this amazing uh sort of escape sequence and there there are these pivotal moments b- between characters and one character inspires the other and and they give this incredible speech. Yeah, Andy Serkis's character is so fantastic, incredible, and how he per- performed that. Yep, 
is like one of the roles of the year. Yep. And especially he's only in it for three episodes. And any other show, that would have been the moment of the episode. Mm-hmm. But then it goes away from that yeah. and has a whole other scene and another conversation between uh, a rebellion leader who's kept his identity secret and basically a mole he has planted in the empire. Right. I totally forgot that was the same episode. Oh, that's it's, the same uh, episode. It's one scene because right Because they after both the stand other. apart so, like as these like very yeah. memorable moments, but like, and you forget that like, oh, this all happened mm-hmm. in one episode in like fluidly. Yep. And the mole once pulled out yeah. And kind of snaps at Luthen, played mm-hmm. by uh, 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 Skarsgård. Skarsgård, Alexander, or not Alexander, um, Stefan yeah. Skarsgård. Uh, snaps at him, you know, what have you sacrificed? And the monologue that follows, yeah. the speech that he tosses back at this guy, I didn't know if he was going to drag him out of the elevator and throw him off the side of the bridge. I didn't know if he was going to suddenly reveal he had force powers. Nope. He just wants, it, it, it's this, this, clash of ideas mm-hmm. and and they've made this very messy rebellion that is doing its best to survive and it can't all agree with itself right it all has the same goal and they're all moving in this the same direction but they're just they're messy and Wait. they're having to sacrifice an incredible amount of things well and they all have different levels of how willing they're far how willing they're how far they're willing to go yeah. into it. Yeah. And some like have reached their limit and that character felt like he had reached his limit and and he's and um he's saying like no you we need you yeah. you have to stay. And this show has some of the best writing oh, yeah. of of anything this year. Uh and that scene and that's just one scene that has memorable lines in it. Uh the whole episode was full of them the whole series is full of them. But he says this thing about 15 years ago I wrote a formula uh, that, you know, I won't live to see end. Uh, you right. know, he talks about like a sunrise that he's, you know, yeah, he's yeah. set in motion and he's never going to see come to fruition right. because that's not his role in this rebellion. No. Uh, he's, he's likely to die in his mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's had to sacrifice so much of his principle and his morality and his ethics to make this thing happen. He's, he's essentially saying like, I'm, I'm going to hell either way, guys. <laughs> um, you know, I'm doing this for your kids and your kids' kids. And right. it was just... Incredible. Yeah, he's come to peace with it. Yeah, 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 and he's willing to do whatever it takes to ensure the success of this thing, come hell or high water. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he sees the greater good in the end, even yeah. if it's not going to um, be a part of his life. Yeah. And uh, but also, like I think this last episode, after those three episodes, especially with the jailbreak and everything, it had to be a quiet episode. Yeah. Um, I will say there were some elements of that episode, this past episode were confusing to me, especially they were bringing talk like that speech where he had with he that he had with um oh, what was what's his character's name the um other like rebel Melshi Melshi uh, and they're bringing bringing up this character which they I didn't realize they were talking about earlier but it's not a character we ever have met in this series I you know who I'm talking about no where it was. Like I can't remember the, the the name. It was a, you know, when she's being interrogated and they're like, "Is this the person that right you, the that Krieger guy Krieger Krieger?" But we haven't met that character. No, but he's the one they've been talking about the whole time that that Luthen is willing to sacrifice right uh, out on a ship somewhere, and he's the one that that he and uh, Saul Guerrero were arguing about. Um, uh, yeah, we we haven't seen him. He's almost more of this this pawn figure 
that is a means to an end. Yeah, but like that whole speech, that discussion he was having in gotcha. the, the cave, because I don't, I, I have no connection, like gotcha. I remember that character at all. So I was gotcha. just confused, like, why are we talking about this? It was like Krieger's yeah. plan, like they were yeah. talking about. And I was like, what is this plan? Like, I don't understand. I don't think the plan matters. I think it went back to the episode where they were arguing about all these different factions. Yeah. And they were mentioning this Krieger guy is one of those factions. And so now it's, hey, I'm I'm willing to sacrifice this guy, but I'm going to leave it up to you. Right. Because before he couldn't get Saul to play with him. Right. Uh, basically in the rebellion, the way that he wanted to. And now it's that. like he's he's been trying to uh, recruit Saul into his way of, of running the rebellion. And now here's an opportunity to do it because here's this paranoid revolutionary who for the first time, maybe he can get to play the game his way. Yeah, I think I understood all that of it. Yeah. It was just how much emphasis they were putting on Krieger in that. Gotcha. It made it feel much more important that I and like I had gotcha. missed something. That I, I was think way when you more relevant. It, you won't feel yeah. that way. It's much more like Bricks is being given the opportunity to identify him as Luthen. Yeah, uh, instead I, I of ratting out Luthen right. and things like that. And so it feels like everybody's circling around this poor guy who yeah. is just certainly doomed. And there's no way he's going to make it out of what, because no matter what happens, everybody's focused on him and everybody's willing to sacrifice him. The Empire's willing to sacrifice him. Luthen's willing mm-hmm. to sacrifice him. Saul's willing to sacrifice him. Bricks has the chance to sacrifice him. We don't really see if if she takes advantage of that because she is just so wrecked by the torture. Right, yeah. For all we know, she could be like, no, that's not him. Yeah. And then the Empire's a step ahead of everybody. I kind of took that moment as like there was a little bit of relief on her face that like maybe I can get away with just turning this guy over to them and like they'll get what they want and I'll kind of get what I want that I'm not really giving up who I should be giving up. I will say that this also has one of the best like empathetic droid characters oh my goodness, like yeah. the most like moving moment with a droid in like all droid. of star wars yeah. it was so good yeah oh man it was so humanized yeah uh just the the sheer grief this little droid was feeling for this old woman yeah and um, how everyone was treating the droid mm-hmm. so warmly and empathetically and like we're they're very nurturing to the yeah. road. Like, we're going to take care of you. Don't worry. Like, and it, it really made me care for even those characters yeah. that like, we haven't spent as much time with it. Yeah. Like they are cared about this woman so much. We're going to just care for its joy, her joy yeah. too. Yeah. And, like you, know. you would with, uh, you know, somebody's died and their dog is at their house. You're not just, you know, for most people, you're not just going to mistreat the dog and throw it out on the street. It, you know, it's a part of, this woman's memory and it's like this droid is is that for these people and mm-hmm. just yeah really unexpected sweet moments i'm so looking forward to whatever they do with the last episode because i'm really looking forward to going back through this entire season and just watching it with uh i i guess expectations calibrated um not that it's taken me a long time at all it's just something where each new episode is is such a refreshing discovery that I'm really interested to see how it plays when I know what's happening and I know where it's going. Yeah, uh, I I suspect it's going to be just as strong, but um, 
I'm really looking forward to having two seasons of this and then watching Rogue One. I've uh-huh. decided I'm not watching Rogue One again <laughs> until this series is yeah. finished, and then I'm going to go right in and, mm. and watch Rogue One. But uh, what a what a great show. Yeah, it's great fantastic. Show. Check out Andor if you have not seen Andor Seriously. yet. Oh, man. Seriously. All right. Well, we've got quite a few movies to get to today. Uh, and so, yeah, this is kind of horror part two. We're going to be talking about uh, the prequel to uh, X, which is called Pearl, uh, also from Ty West. We're going to talk about Don't Worry Darling, which is available on HBO Max. Uh, this movie Clint said I should probably not watch because it would destroy me, but he highly recommended it. Possum. And then uh, our Sinatron pick, a little Russian movie called Sputnik. But let's start with Pearl. Uh, Pearl is from writer-director Ty West, and this was actually co-written by Mia Goth. And it stars Mia Goth, uh, and it it takes place in 1918 during uh, the now-famous influenza pandemic. And she's a young uh, woman living with her German immigrant parents on their Texas homestead while her husband Howard is serving in World War I. Uh, She's hoping to uh, go to an audition and become a famous actress and uh, she's she's not quite all there. And it it took me quite a while. It's it's not a spoiler. I think I was supposed to understand this from the beginning. Mm-hmm. This is the girl who will grow up to be the crazy old lady in mm. X. Yeah. Um, that the characters in X encounter. And for the longest time, I just for some reason, probably because it's being played by Mia Goth, who also played somebody young in X. All of that confused me and confounded me. Uh, but it's, I think, supposed to be a much simpler prequel uh, at first than than I gave it credit for. Uh, Clint, what did you think of Pearl? Well, I was also kind of just confused from the uh, trailer, too. Like, I thought it was <laughs> – I had the exact same thought that you did, that it was a backstory for the character in X. Yeah. But then realizing she also played the old woman in X – um, which was, then it made, I was like, rethink that movie uh-huh. and like, where were they trying to say something with that? Or it was just like, she wanted to do the role too. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. Um, I don't, it didn't make me appreciate X anymore. Um, but yeah, I was I, going in, like you told me before I watched it, like, oh, this is actually, yeah. <laughs> so then that was very a nice heads up. Um, but I, I like this so much more than X. I thought it was much stronger. And where X was kind of exploring genres of horror that have been explored a lot before, like where it's kind of Texas chainsaw-y in a way. It's like kind of... Plenty of people have done the throwback 70s Throwbacks to 70s. And this is throwback to like classic Hollywood. Yeah. Wizard of Oz Hollywood. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Golden Age. Yeah, yeah. Like Technicolor Hollywood. And that hasn't been done as much. Like I couldn't think of an example that would be similar in that way. Um, So that was a much stronger starting point for me to see Mm -hmm. horror... Like, you're going to do a throwback horror movie. Let's do something where we haven't seen it done this way before mm-hmm. or referencing this this style of, of movie before. Um, so that that was def- definitely a hook that grabbed my attention and I was interested in. And I, I thought uh, Mia Goth's character in this was a lot more interesting mm-hmm. and nuanced. And um, 
layered, like compared to X, X just felt like an archetype of a character that I've seen mm -hmm. in other things. And this was much more interesting for me. Yeah. So I, I actually enjoy this a lot more. Um, what did you think? I, I'm exactly the same. I It's surprising because if you weren't told that this was a prequel to something, you would never know it. This no, functions yeah. just fine as yeah. a standalone film. Very few nods other than setting to what's going to come. Um, this, this I think, is much stronger as just a standalone horror film mm -hmm. than as uh, a prequel to X. Yeah. Because I, if I had watched this first and then gone into X, I think X would have been more disappointing yeah. than it already was. Because this feels so much more original and unique. And it, it has much more of a surrealist... Um, horror vibe and and also a central character that's really uh going through uh, you know this descent into madness yeah it's a classic descent into madness performance which is fun because there's a lot in golden era hollywood that lines up with that there there's a lot of kind of performances about you know the lady that goes crazy uh -huh. uh, this obviously goes way further than that and and adds in an element of of some some pretty um, you know visibly uh, nauseating gore and, and things <laughs> like that, um, but all of that would be I think just fine. It would be very superficial. But then when you add that to this performance that Mia Goth mm -hmm. delivers, she goes all in on this thing. It's my favorite performance um, that I've seen her do. Yeah. yeah, she's she's pretty incredible in this, and it's it's something where she just. She kind of uh, strips down every emotion she's got, and by the end of it, um, she's she's giving this this monologue. Yeah, that, uh, that was great to this other character, and it doesn't even show the other woman across from her. No, it's just focused on her face, telling this nightmare of a story, mm -hmm. and and really revealing what's going on inside of her head. And I was so glad it didn't cut away to the horror of the person reacting to her because I was so riveted by mm -hmm. her performance in that moment. And it's one take. And it's just this yeah, slow, yeah. ultra slow zoom in over this, I don't know, seven, eight minute maybe. Maybe so it, it was, was shorter. Maybe it was it longer. It was like five minutes at least. And yeah, and it was very satisfying, like also realizing where they're going with yeah. it and that like at the end of this, they're going to probably go back to this character who's like sitting, been sitting there witnessing this monologue and the like realization of who this person is that you thought you knew because yeah, she's her sister-in-law yeah. and she thought she knew this person yeah. and to like completely know her now yeah. and the horror of that. And I love the reaction of like, okay, I'm going to go now. All right. <laughs> yeah. That was played so, so well by both of them. Yeah. Like not like it didn't feel comical. It just felt like, oh, I hope she does get out of this. And um, there was, yeah. I, I did too. I hope she gets yeah, out of this. I was this. like, knew it wasn't. But the whole time that speech was going, I was like, there's no version no. of this film that ends with this woman across no. the table getting very far out of this house <laughs> because you know, once she goes down that path, she's she's just revealing way too much, and this lady is way too crazy. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, it it was it was this pairing of of really raw performance and just a. It's not done in the style of 
the Wizard of Oz and those films for the sake of doing that. Right. They really lean into it and hold to it with the music and the the cinematography and uh, even the performance styles. And it's just the entire movie is presented as a movie that could have been made in that era, mm-hmm. minus the fact that we're going to go very horror and very gory R-rated, you know. I liked that the gore was – it was – kind of technicolor in its yeah. way it was over the top red yeah. and it was fitting it wasn't like didn't like somehow jump back to like the x style of right. horror it was fitting fitting within the world they've set up yeah. and i will say that i i think from the beginning it wasn't so much a descent into madness as a realization of how mad this person was yeah. because like from the opening scene of her killing she's the goose, not all there no and it's yeah. just like the other people around her realizing it and her being kind of pushed to her like like extent because like she's not getting the thing that she thought she was completely like set up for her entire life she wanted to be the star and realizing that she's not actually that person and doesn't have the ability to be that person and uh yeah i I was really fascinated by the directions it decided to go with that i actually i really liked i I feel like it could have been a little i don't know not silly but like on the nose doing it in this time period but also during a pandemic but i really like that Mm -hmm. like seeing the like the pandemic back in that oh back in that time period and um how they use that to kind of isolate all the characters on yeah. this farm um it, it was a really nice little touch i thought yeah no i i really recommend it it i i don't think this is one where you where you in any way have to watch a series this is just no, a, no, no. Uh, an excellent film and it's it's got some like you were saying right from the beginning it's just unique it it um it's not something i've seen before and it's mix of styles i think uh, kept me on board mm-hmm. a lot longer than it would have if we had just continued to follow the maxine character in from x or right. something you know more traditional horror sequel mm-hmm so, okay, that brings us to another descent into madness. Don't worry, darling. And and Don't Worry, Darling is from director Olivia Wilde. And my goodness, the teenage drama that's come out of this movie over the last months or however long it's been. I didn't have a ton of interest in this movie, but there's just so much behind the scenes madness about it. I'm like, okay. I want to see this thing. Is it worth the the uh, the vitriol and and all of the back and forth thing uh, that Olivia Wilde and Harry Styles has has caused with their affair or their romance or whatever the heck all this Hollywood stuff is? Have you followed any of that? <laughs> I have heard little snippets, but I heard her. She was on Stephen Colbert mm-hmm. and she was talking about it in an interesting way where. You think back on like all the scandalous stuff that have happened on like men's director's sets Mm -hmm. and how like it really was never talked about. But then you have this woman director and then the the um, the narrative around it and like how the media talks about it is just to kind of try to tear her down and like point at her faults as a bad director. Yeah, because it's not like a male director has never warred with his male star before. Well, right. Or you think about like Kubrick or somebody like all these like famous directors who were kind of monsters and then there's just like, oh, well, they're just auteurs and they're like that. But then a 
woman, like there's a little bit of like tension on set because of actors being jerks and then it's her fault. Yeah. Like I I thought that was an interesting way to frame it. I don't know. I don't know all the details of it, but the way she painted it in that interview was like, it made sense to me. Okay. Uh, I, you know, I more and more and more just didn't care. I I became more increasingly interested in, is this movie worth all of the craziness that's swirling around it? Uh, But here's the plot. In the 1950s, Alice and Jack live in the idealized community of Victory, an experimental company town that houses the men who work on a top secret project called the Victory Project. Mm -hmm. While the husbands toil away, the lives get the wives get to enjoy the beauty, luxury, and debauchery of their seemingly perfect paradise. However, when cracks in her idyllic life begin to appear, exposing flashes of something sinister lurking below the surface, Alice, played by, um, wow. Florence Pugh. Florence Pugh. I always have these names right on the tip of my tongue, <laughs> ready to go. I have them in my notes, and then I'm rolling along and blank. Well, I'm here to back you up on it. Florence Pugh can't help but question exactly what she's doing in Victory. Clint, what did you think of Don't Worry, Darling? Well, I actually was kind of interested in this movie regardless of all the the shenanigans behind the scenes. It had a good trailer. Yeah, it had a good trailer and it had like elements that I'm always very interested in. Um, like like this idyllic 1950s world and there's kind of some secret um, like experimental thing going on behind the like – the the scenes that they're not aware of so i get like lost vibes or mm-hmm. um oh there was something else i was it's oh just a like, classic mystery box setup you yeah. know there's a mystery and you know it's going to be unraveled in front of you yeah and i mean like in that time period i mean you have like the nuclear program and all that stuff you think that's going on in the desert and you're not sure what they're testing and yeah. that that's an interesting setup and uh so I was actually kind of interested going in, but honestly, I just, all the hype around this movie, this movie is not that good. Yeah. <laughs> it's just kind of like <laughs> bland. Like, I think it would have been a movie that everybody just like kind of forgot about and like it came out and like all these, all these stars in it. And it's like, yeah, it wasn't that great. And it would have just disappeared. And, but it's been in the zeitgeist of media for like the past, whatever, three months or four months all summer. And, um, and it it just kind of was a letdown in just as a movie, like it was the directions it decided to go were not surreal enough or weird enough the reveals of it were just kind of like very strange and just like why why is this the story of this is now um i'm not confused by the plot twists in this movie and i would like the surreal nature of like when you what you see in the trailer of she's like her world's kind of crumbling around her and she's seeing weird things it's just like didn't really make sense in the context of the film is like why is it's all this weird stuff happening all of yeah. a sudden, like especially even with the reveal of it, it's like I don't understand why these strange things are happening to yeah. her. So I was just confused by it and kind of just like, oh, okay. <laughs> what do you think? I think I would have walked away from this just shrugging my shoulders yeah. and just that was an average film let down by a, a subpar twist. Yeah. Uh, or reveal or whatever. But I think everything swirling around it was like this movie has to be something for for so much drama to be swirling around it and almost made it more disappointing like this is it 
that this, yeah, this is what everybody was arguing about and all of these tabloid stories and okay. Um, you know, so it, it just, Florence Pugh does a really good job. I, I didn't hate this movie as much as people who hate it. I didn't hate it. I just thought um, it was like kind no. of benign. It, I, I, I like that <laughs> word, benign. Um, yeah, I, I watched it and I was, I was texting with you as I was watching it. I'll let you know that it had popped up. Yeah. And then about halfway through, I was like, I can confirm it's a movie. <laughs> uh-huh. You, I, I found out when you were watching it because you were just like, yes, indeed a movie with actors. <laughs> yeah, and scenes. And a soundtrack. A scenes, yeah. yeah. Um, that's that's what I felt most of the time. Uh, and it, it, it could have roped me. It could have got me if it had a really cool reveal or, yeah. or something really wacky and out there. But it it almost goes too ordinary. Um it's a I, I think it was meant to be this very shocking reveal. And instead it's a very that's it. And that's, that's Yeah. And then you start thinking it's like about draft one of what I would have you know, thought it was going to be. Yeah. And then you start thinking about it a little, a little bit more and you're trying to like to deconstruct the mechanics of this yeah. system and world that they've oh, yeah. that they actually yeah. have in place. And it's like, how does this work? Yeah. And I thought why? it was definitely going in more of a dark city direction yeah. where there was some sort of extraterrestrial presence or there was something uh, beyond human or I was really hoping for that. And once it stripped down and tried to give it an explanation that was plausible, it, it just it, – it made it more implausible. Because anytime you're doing something real world, mm-hmm. it, the the person watching it automatically – has an easier time saying that would never work that way. And you start to unravel it as opposed to if it's supernatural or extraterrestrial, your brain goes to places that you don't have to have those questions answered because it's beyond this world. And so you don't feel the need to logic it out and figure out if that would actually be possible. Right. Yeah. Um, So I, I just, you know, it, it I was, was a movie. Yeah, I was also like not on board with the subtle like comedic elements of it, like the characters, like how they were written comedically. It almost felt like they were kind of riffing and like especially with like I really like Nick Kroll, mm-hmm. but he's in this and it just felt like in Nick Kroll's voice, like they let him loose and like to be Nick Kroll. But he's really wasted. Yeah. He's, he he's contained yeah. as a Nick Kroll character. He's uh, yeah. not even a Nick Kroll character. I know, but it's it's like a lesser version of Nick yeah. Kroll. Like yeah. where, and so I, and I just, so I couldn't get, it would just switch from like, oh, we're happy. We're having these parties and we're com- like having a good time. It's comedic. And then it's like really dire and like Florence Pugh is like yeah. falling apart and like her world yeah. is unraveling, which also like with the setup of this movie, it almost paints that she's been here for a long time. Mm-hmm. Like she's very used to it. And, but I, I don't know, I guess you could talk that out once you think about the, um, the actual mechanics of the world. And, but it almost feels like she all of a sudden just falls apart. Yeah. Like, even though she's been here for a long time yeah. and it's used to it. And this just is her because life. she saw somebody else asking questions. Right. And then, but it's like, not even, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I, Meh. I'm glad it was on HBO Max. Oh, yeah. I'm glad I didn't go to the theater to see it. That uh, would have been just really disappointing. It. But... Yeah, it, it's a movie. Yeah. Um, you know. 
<laughs> I I wish I had more something more substantive to say, but I just benign is the word, Clint. Benign. You, you nailed it. Word of it. the day. So that brings us to 2018 horror drama Possum. After returning to his childhood home, a disgraced children's puppeteer is forced to confront his wicked stepfather and the secrets that have tortured his entire life. This is from director Matthew Holness, uh, and it's it's a creepy little flick. Um, you had talked about it and what you watch, and mm-hmm. do you want to kind of start and just what 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 drew you to this? And then I will talk about my experience with this movie that you warned me not to watch, but I was compelled to watch anyway. What drew me to this was really the trailer. Like yeah. I watched, I was hunting for new horror movies during Halloween that I haven't seen. Um, I had passed this one probably a hundred times. Um, not knowing what it was. And I, the trailer really impressed me. Like it was, it looked like, it looked like a really good version of a throwback, like 70s horror movie, movie where some of those, like you're like wondering if it's going to be just rehashing like a lot of other horror, a lot of like other like 70s horror movie elements. But this actually looked like a very authentic take on one of those movies, like with like the stock of the footage and mm-hmm. and the soundtrack and like the way that um, camera movements and all that stuff. Like, and it looked like an interesting take on one of those where it's looked like a very um, fresh story that isn't being rehashed alongside of that stylistic choice. So I also... I want to mention this is um, Matthew Holness, who, if you're familiar with Garth Marenghi's Dark Place, which is a fantastic uh, com- comedy series, British comedy series from, I don't know, early 2000s, um, he played Garth Marenghi. And just to think, like, this is not comedic in any way. This is a straight horror movie, and I didn't realize it was him who directed it till after the fact when I looked it up. And I was like, oh my gosh, he directed this movie? Like, and it's no way tongue-in-cheek or comedic. It's just a straight, one of the scariest horror, horror movies I've seen in years, where the entire time... It doesn't let up. I never get used to the monsterish, like puppet character of this. Like it never gets easier, um, and I, I really admired it for that. That like the entire time, I'm completely just as scared. It's the first time I saw it as the last time, hmm. um, and I thought the characters as. There's only two characters in this movie, really, um, but I was interested in the arc of these characters the entire time. And uh, it, it's a subtle movie too. Like there's, it's quiet. It's a very quiet movie and um, not a lot of dialogue, but it, it really like conveys a lot with what it does. So what do you think? I've seen a lot of horror movies that play on just a, a atmosphere of dread. Yeah. yeah. This is a, that very rare horror movie that plays on existential dread. Yeah. And that's a, very fine line and it's a very hard thing to get somebody watching a film to feel existential dread it's Mm -hmm. easy to make dread is just there's something around the corner yeah Uh, existential dread is this idea of there's something around the corner that's going to unravel who i am right or reveal something about myself i don't want to i can't look at yeah and the the whole time you you see this uh, truly monstrous and creepy god-awful puppet (laughs) 
But the puppet, it's this is not a creature feature. This no, is no, about no. this incredible performance with Sean Harris. I feel like I keep saying incredible this episode. Uh, Sean Harris, once again, we talked about him in The Stranger. Yep. Uh, by coincidence, he's also in this. And he's masterful. Yeah. And the the real dread and the real horror of this is what am I going to find out about this character? What is he going to right. find out about himself? What's in that room? What's going on with his his uh, stepfather or whatever? What's going on with this puppet? Why does this puppet keep reappearing every time he destroys what it? What does this puppet actually represent about it, him yes. or and you, what he's done? You can feel this is not something that's building towards this puppet is alive. No, no, that's, no. That's so ordinary and it's it's not at all no. where this is going. You understand that the focal point of this film is this character played by Sean Harris. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, what am I going to learn here? From the very beginning, this kid that he encountered on the subway ends up disappearing. Mm-hmm. Am I going to find out that this guy kidnaps kids? Does he kill kids? Does he – what am I actually going to find out about this person – and it, it's it's another descent into madness. Yeah, but but it's kind of a regression into madness. It's a, it's a backwards movement into madness. And then I was left the entire film asking myself, Am I seeing somebody confronting something that he does, or something that happened to him? Right. And that gets so muddled and mixed up that even by the end of this movie, it's so left to interpretation. By the end, I don't know what I'm supposed to understand about the Sean Harris character. I also should have mentioned, I love this movie. This movie is fantastic. <laughs> yeah. It's All fun. of these things I'm yeah. saying is, is the positive version of these things. I was happy to be muddled. I was happy to be confused by this movie. I was happy to question because I like this guy. I, I know. I yeah. want him to not be the thing that I am terrified he is, and I think that's exactly what he's feeling. Mm-hmm. I think he is terrified of discovering that he is what his is it his stepfather or his uncle? It's or, like his uncle, I think, okay. or it's some. I can't. I, the re- half the time I didn't is, even know if that character existed, right? Uh, or if that character was was a figment of his imagination. Um, I I still, by the end, am not sure if I was watching a a, a living old man or just him working out. Uh, psychologically, uh, past abuse and things like that. Uh, bottom line, this movie uh, really puts you into a place of questioning everything you see and everything that's happening, and that's where the horror comes from. Mm-hmm. And the fact that they could sustain that level of horror for an hour and a half, an hour and 45, or whatever this movie was, that's where I'm talking about that existential dread, and that's so unique and so rare. Um I was just pins and needles. This yeah. whole movie, whole movie. Yeah, I if by for me by the end, I I feel like it was a little bit more not directly, but like cleared up with it being a re- realizing um, of trauma that he's gone through. Yeah. Well, the, let me ask: Can we do spoilers? Yeah. All right. Let's go into a spoiler section. Explain the last fifteen minutes. How did you interpret the last fifteen minutes of this movie? in the room? In the room. So once he goes into, from the minute he enters the the burned out uh-huh. room, walk me through what this movie told you with the end of its story. To me, it was a realization that he was like abused and 
traumatized by this man, mm-hmm. his uncle, who I think also killed his parents. Mm-hmm. Um, and just him realizing that this entire time he's not reliving things that he's done to people, but he's reliving like things that have happened to him mm-hmm. um, that he's been traumatized by and and has been running away from. Mm-hmm. And he's come back to this place to kind of confront it. And it's been just him, he's been seeing it from the wrong angle. That's where I saw it from. He's not seeing it from his eyes. He's kind of seeing it from the other person's eyes of them doing it to him. I, hmm. That's how I read it. That's that's a very optimistic version. Mine is super pessimistic. <laughs> well, I think it's because I I did I care for that character, yeah. and I I don't want to think that he's he was the one like ab- abducting children yeah. or these young men. And, and see, that's that's where my mind left me is that he is stuck in this generational abuse that his parents died probably tragically, and he had to move in with this uncle or or whoever. And he was just horrifically abused. And he has come to a place where he is fractured and fragile and he's repeating this abuse on other people. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't want to. And he's he's confronting these memories and these trauma to, to work through that. And then he can finally free the boy at the end. But for me, it was the way the boy looks at him. And then runs. Mm. And it's not, oh, here's a stranger. Thank God. It's not the old man abusing me. It was just run away. And and maybe that was because I just got freed from a box. I'm out of here. Good right, for you, right. kid. Um, but yeah, my my version was so much more uh pessimistic. And and I I think either ending completely is supported by what you what you see on screen. Uh-huh. Um it was just my my existential dread led me to a place <laughs> where it felt inevitable that that this isn't actually the good guy I want him to be. Oh, okay. Um, whereas it sounds like your existential dread led you to a place of relief that, okay, he's not the guy I was worried he was. Yeah. It's really interesting. Huh. I Maybe I need to rewatch it from that angle, but... Don't, don't question your ending, Clint. <laughs> I just... I love I, movies that different people can watch and come away with and interpret differently. Well, I think, I think that's really interesting. I took the old man character at face value mm-hmm. more than maybe you did, maybe because you're questioning if he existed. I never questioned if he existed. I just kept questioning it because the house is so disheveled. It but he's so disheveled too that like I yeah, didn't question yeah. that he wouldn't live in this place. Yeah. And it's really like just that one room, and it just made me think that like. There's so much more to that character that he's put this man and his family through yeah. that, like, he has something to do with the disappearance of his his parents. Yeah. And um, so it didn't make me think that he couldn't also be the one in this town abducting boys. Well, and maybe I just am the one that needs to watch it again, but I don't <laughs> want to look at that puppet again. <laughs> that puppet. Oh, my goodness. Um, thank God for the public school system <laughs> in the UK that fired this man for pulling this puppet out in front of children. <laughs> he should have been. That's the only thing. I, I like this guy. I want the best for him. But he absolutely deserved to get fired <laughs> for pulling that puppet out in front of real-life children. Because if I saw this at 44 in real life, I'd run screaming never, from whatever room it, it was in. It never gets easier. No. No. 
And the, um, and what they do with when it moves, like oh, it, like is so effective. It's always on the edge of the camera too. It's yeah. never you never see this thing fully animated or 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 moving in a, a cheesy way. It no, just, no, it's like in the shadows, like that one where he's it's at the end of the hallway oh, it and then popping out. Uh, of the yeah, door. it is so unsettling. Oh, but <sighs> I mean, you might be right in your interpretation, and uh, I. I, I don't think there is a right yeah. because after I walked away from it, uh, I I was still confused enough. Uh, this was one of those times I ended up on Reddit, and okay. this is actually a a hotly contested debate. There's mm. there's four or five, six different huh. interpretations of what this means. Okay. Yours was one of them. Mine was one of them, and there's there's several others. But it was really interesting reading through what these different people came away from this movie thinking it was about. That's cool. Some people really focused on the abuse. Some people really focused on the trauma. Some focused on the victimization. Some people just watched it as a straight horror film. I will say people that watched it as a straight horror film were the ones that were disappointed with it. Oh, okay. The ones who were watching it to see a puppet come to life oh, and yeah. as not this horror No, movie. no, no, no. And I'm really um, glad it wasn't that ho- yeah, kind of horror me movie. me too. Um, it was so much more interesting. Yeah. Yeah, and and this, like I said, it's I I am not a filmmaker, but just based on the fact that I have not seen uh, more than a handful of movies that have actually filled me with existential dread. Yeah, the fact that this movie pulls that off is is to me something special because I'm glad it's you not watched common. it because I I really didn't want to like <laughs> traumatize you with because I know how you are with moving things that shouldn't be moving and i so but i i really recognize the quality of this movie so i'm glad you sucked it up and watched it it. didn't creep me out as much on that end of things as i thought because i could feel from the beginning that this isn't a movie about a puppet that's going to come to life yeah and so it it there were a couple of moments that i got those chills yeah but I knew even when those moments were happening, this isn't actually happening. This puppet is not actually alive. Yeah. And so that that helped me. But also, just to bring you a little bit of, uh, uh, you know, imagination candy, <laughs> I watched this right after my wife had gotten COVID mm-hmm. and I was trying to avoid COVID. So we're in separate, living in separate <laughs> parts of the house. I am confined to the movie room, essentially downstairs. Mm-hmm. And I watched this thing by myself, <laughs> without the ability to go curl into bed afterwards uh-huh. uh, with another human and uh, at like 2 a.m. <laughs> and so I, I think I was at prime real estate for uh, watching this movie exactly as, as you should have to watch yeah, this movie. Yeah. Um, but I was actually, the, the uncle character was far creepier uh, in action than that puppet. Yeah. It's just the visuals of that puppet. Yeah, it never for Ugh. me it never let up. Yeah. Like because I it was hard to get a gra- like they did a really good job of slowly revealing it. Mm-hmm. And um just like the mechanics of it and how it act, like what is it actually? Yeah. And even once it's completely revealed, it never got easier yeah. for me. Is that a cast of his face? It could is that been. what the head is? It, it was a cast I of kept- some face. Uh, later, once I got used to, I mean, it's hard to say you get used to seeing this thing, but when he's going face to face with it, I was looking at like the nose structure and think, I I think he cast, they, to make this, they They, cast his face as it, but I could never, I could never quite tell, but that would make sense in the world of the story because it's a very human face. He would have to, unless he's an expert sculptor. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd rather never, ever, ever 
see something like uh, that monstrosity again. <laughs> but I do actually think I would watch this movie again. Awesome. Yeah, I need to rewatch I, it. I think it's great. Awesome possum. Awesome possum. <laughs> All right. Our final movie is our Sinatron pick. It is Sputnik. It is from 2020. Uh, summoned to a secluded research facility at the height of the Cold War, a controversial young doctor examines a cosmonaut who may not have returned to Earth alone. This is from director Igor Abramenko. Mm-hmm. is a Russian film. And this, is, this has gotten quite a bit of buzz, uh, especially overseas, uh, before it, it kind of made its way over here. It made quite a, a good bit of money. And got some solid reviews. Clint, what did you think of Sputnik? Well, this was one where I like I didn't know really anything about it. I forgot I actually had tried to watch this movie like maybe a year ago because okay. I because I went to watch it and I was like, oh, I guess I started this at some point <laughs> and then fell asleep and then didn't get back around to it. Um but I was afraid from like the trailers of this that this was going to be this modernized just hacky remake of like the alien franchise or something yeah, a creature straight a cre- creature yeah like feature, a creature kinda, yeah. yeah like an alien finally is on earth and it's yeah. it's it landed in russia but honestly i was really surprised by this movie like pleasantly surprised like i it was a lot more subtle than i thought it was going to be um it almost had I'm not going to say directly, but it gave me kind of arrival vibes with the the main character mm-hmm. being like this woman brought in to investigate and a lot more subtle where it really took its time with more of the characters and um, just the like the setup of what, what this alien is and how mm-hmm. it, it operates. And it operates a lot different than I was. It was a very interesting setup for mm-hmm. an alien. And I was actually really surprised by the effects for it. Like it didn't, it was really well done. Like there was very few moments in it where I could see the seams of the CGI other than like, you know, it's CGI because it's this alien creature, but it, it was melded into the atmosphere of the movie really well. And the layers of the, how this alien exists and operates and how it got there were fascinating to me. And, um, I, I really thought they did a really good job of presenting these characters mm-hmm. three dimensionally, and um, also just this being set in Russia in this time frame, like like the Cold War mm-hmm. time frame, was really like kind of unnerving and interesting, especially with like the Russian tech all around mm-hmm. in in the the coloring they decided to use for this movie. It really felt like cold war era russia and i thought that was a really interesting fun setting for a like creature feature like Mm -hmm. alien horror movie i thought it was cool what do you think of it i was surprised because i was i had watched trailers for this and i was not expecting this to be as much of a slow burn thriller yeah as it ends up being Mm -hmm. i also thought this would be more of a schlocky throwback almost or more of an action oriented yeah uh, you know, climactic uh, battle for survival right. kind of thing, mm-hmm. and it's it's not. It's I, I think you called it subtle. It's it's much more subtle. It's much more uh, slow paced. Mm-hmm. I could see this turning people off that yeah. are expecting something a little more splashy and flashy. Uh, but I I kind of appreciated it. Uh, by the end, I I had some genuine affection for this flick. 
Me too. Uh, and thought it was it was quite good, especially when compared to what it could have been. Yeah. Because really, at its core, this is made up of elements from other things you've seen. Yeah, yeah, it it's, is. It's not like they do something revolutionary or mind-blowing or anything like that, but it's it's using components you've seen before, but in such a well-oiled fashion. Mm-hmm. Um that it it really kind of takes you by surprise at the end product. Because at any moment, if you stop and look at a piece of it, it it has that feeling of, I've seen this before. And it would be easy, I think, to dismiss this movie, Mm -hmm. especially as it's building towards where it wants to go. But when it gets there... Uh, and then in retrospect, it's like, this was really, really good flick. This this really knew what it was doing. Yeah, and all the influences it is drawing from, they picked, like, really good elements. Yeah, like, yeah. it's all the smart, really, like, they didn't dumb it down. Like, they continued on with that, like, smart sci-fi, like I was saying, like, Arrival or something, mm-hmm. um, the really good elements of, I mean, of the Alien franchise, like, where it's, it feels realistic and three-dimensional and you can feel like the characters in this um, situation reacting realistically. Um, So yeah, I thought it picked all the great elements of sci-fi. And it's, it's hard to find an original element. Yeah. Um, yeah. Typically a good movie, uh, a great movie is just one that distracts you from the fact that you've seen all of these individual pieces before. Yeah. We're all just telling the exact same stories over again. Over and over and over. Uh, It's, it's very rare that something is genuinely Mm -hmm. new um, or newish. Um, But even then it's, 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 just expertly cobbling together different pieces that you just haven't seen put together in that fashion before. Right. And I, I felt like that, that this movie did that. I, I went and checked reviews for it and it's, it's largely positive. I think it's 80 some percent mm-hmm. on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, but the negative reviews, that's exactly what they were saying. Well, this is just pieces of other movies I've already seen. Yeah. And I really think that's selling it short. I think that's judging it too early mm-hmm. and not giving it the opportunity to <clears throat> grow and develop and show you what it wants to show you. Um, and I just, I, again, this, this was one I was really, uh, I was really surprised, pleasantly surprised that it had more to offer than just disjointed parts. I thought it really put them together uh, in a in a slick fashion that that really worked for me and drew me in. Yeah, and I will say that um, at the center of it, with with this, how this alien exists and operates, and like mm-hmm. for its survival, like that way, the, that element of it, I feel like I haven't seen directly. Yeah. I think it was pretty unique in that, mm-hmm. and the, the whole idea of like this alien using the human body as a spacesuit in its way, like to exist and coming out to feed and go back in. Like maybe there's something it's drawing from directly, but like I, I can't think of it. And I thought it was a, that was actually a pretty unique element to it. Even if around the edges of it, it's things we are familiar with in a way. But I, I don't know, that was surprising to me. Well, and I think that ultimately makes for a better movie because yeah. if your entire movie is is new and unapproachable, right? it's... It, just mentally, it's much more taxing to try to get into a movie like that. Mm-hmm. You need familiar elements to be able to deliver that just one or two twists that maybe you haven't seen before. Right, yeah. And and those things work better because you didn't have to, you know, you're not constantly running to catch up 
right, with right. where things are. Even something like Annihilation, which I reference a lot because by the end of that, that really had blown me away with what it did. It was just a series of small twists on otherwise very conventional elements. Mm-hmm. And so in, in each moment, it just had to, to find a tweak to take something that was familiar and just give it something you hadn't seen before. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, the horror or whatever that comes from that element isn't different. It was just maybe visually or thematically. It, it just changes it a little bit. And so the spacesuit idea, um, you're you're just taking something. You're, you're just taking Invasion of the Body Snatchers, but you're just giving it a little bit of a tweak uh, that, that, you know, taps into some, some primal horror, the idea of, of my body being used for something that's not me should right. be terrifying to you. Uh, that that should fill you with a sense of dread. And uh, I mean, I just, it, it's kind of that movie, The Hidden, that I w- yeah, we were talking yeah. about, but like done in this completely different, yeah. I don't know, way. Um, there's, I don't know. It's uh, when the, when Sinatron spun this up, I was not excited at all. <laughs> I really wasn't, but yeah. by the end of this thing, um, I was just, I was really happy to have been forced to watch this Yeah, thing. me too. I'm glad I actually finished it. That's, I, we, we don't say it enough, but that's actually why we developed the Sinatron idea in the, in the first place was so, you know, those movies that just end up sitting at the end of your queue, uh, and you never seem to get to, it mm-hmm. was just a way of forcing ourselves to watch some random movie. And, for the most part, it it ends up working out. We've we've gotten a lot of little hidden gems that I'm really happy I wouldn't have seen otherwise. Yep. This is one of them. Mm-hmm. I would have not seen this otherwise if not for oh, okay, I'm assigned this movie this week, <laughs> which sounds like it would be awful, but it's it's actually for the most part been really nice. Yeah, that's why I like um, things like the um, uh, the Criterion Channel you're yep. talking mm-hmm. about and movie yep. does that. And mm-hmm. it's just the idea of these these cultivated lists of films. And you only have certain ones you can pick from. So it's just like, oh, I'll, I'll try this one. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, all right, why not? Mm-hmm. That sort of thing. Uh, which brings me to, uh, I almost went through the whole episode without remembering. <laughs> question? And brings me to... <laughs> A question, and this is actually about uh, we had we had talked about Rings of Power, and we had talked about House of the Dragon, mm-hmm. and this question is specifically for you, Clint. Uh, and the question is: Do you think that if lore and character names and character locations and things like that were simplified, that that would make it easier for you to enjoy something like Game of Thrones or House of the Dragon? Or is it the fact that you enjoy thematics more than you enjoy the lore and the concept and the story? I'm curious because I have the same curse and I am always trying to find ways to enjoy these shows everybody else enjoys. Clint makes way more sense to me than Ken. Thanks a lot. Uh, of course, of course. This is somebody named Ben, by the way, from oh. Minnesota. Should have mentioned that. Uh, but but Ben says that you make way more sense than I do. Uh, but he's always trying to figure out how to approach something. He feels like with his friends, he has a much easier time. Sorry, I don't know why I'm saying he. I have a much easier time. Uh, watching things that are surreal and that require me to interpret them or just give me a tone or a mood rather than having to sort through plot after plot after plot. Clint, can you help me? Or Ken, can you shed some light on the mystery that is Clint's brain? (laughs) I bring that up because this is essentially what we're talking about. We're we're talking about these movies that that give you this, this feel 
and this this tone and this mood. And you do. Yeah. When I was reading this, I was just like, this guy has completely dissected Clint better than <laughs> I ever had. And Ben doesn't know us, uh, as far as I know. But it's it's just one of those, oh, that is how Clint's brain works. Because the more convoluted plot and characters are, the more you seem to... It's like you can you can watch your brain try to map out all of the plot points so you can navigate it. Yeah, I I am definitely much more an overarching like emotional and tonal like uh like I'm interested in that a lot more. And and it comes down to too like I, I really do have a hard time memorizing like people like with names. <laughs> like I don't know if that's saying like some kind of deficiency in my like that I, that you could probably uh, scientifically <laughs> narrowed down. Levi is currently watching Game of Thrones for the first time and Jon Snow's girlfriend, Ygritte, in season three and four, he keeps calling Vinaigrette. I'm like, <laughs> Levi, just no, no. I just like the minutia of that, like, doesn't interest me as much mm-hmm. as like the overarching like themes and like uh, emotional core of things is a lot more interesting. And like what we're trying to do, like visually, like I'm very uh, much a visual person. Like, um, like I can. So, so how does Andor function then? Because Andor has a lot of weird names and, and a lot of weird places and things like that. But it also at the same time feels like it manages those things more economically than a House of the Dragon or a Game of Thrones. Yeah, or... I think it's much clearer in the way it, it it deals with that. Also, at the center of that show, there's a very strong, like, emotional arc to all the characters where I can attach to the characters. Yeah. I, in, in that way, if I'm I'm getting invested... Which is why you... you registered with rings of power so much more strongly than House yeah of if i'm i can emotionally get invested with these characters i feel like i might be able to follow those like bits of information a little bit better mm-hmm. like i and that might be my problem with like the game of thrones series or like the house of the dragon where like I don't like any of these characters. <laughs> I don't like anything that they're doing, really. Like, I don't really care. Yeah. So maybe that's why, like, I don't care. So I don't want to learn your name. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> yeah, Ben. We don't want to know your name, Ben from Minnesota. Thanks, Ben. You jerk. Um. <laughs> no, maybe that's why. I don't, I don't know. But, like, I, I'm much more, like, an overarching, like, theme in, like, uh... Uh, the tone of something and if it's grabbing me in that way maybe i'll be invested in more like something like the um like that movie the 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 stranger where it is a very tonal piece and even if there isn't a lot going on dialogue wise um i'm getting the sense of these people and i'm getting a sense of this world and what their like the stakes are between these characters and I can get much more invested in that right, compared to um, like something where I, I just got to know this person's name, all these people's names and who they're talking about at every single given second. I just... I, Especially with Game of Thrones, a lot of times they're mentioning names that you never get to see those characters. They're referencing people from history in their history. And yeah. There's no... Right. Uh, again, going back to what I was saying about you need some familiar elements to to ground you right uh, before you try to figure out which way you're going in the maze 
Right. Okay. I mean, that goes back to what I was saying about that one character in Andor that they're talking about. Krieger. That's, Krieger. that's the one spot that lost you. Yeah, because yeah. like it's like, okay, this character hasn't been in the show this entire time. Yeah. And all of a sudden we're talking about him a lot in this episode. And yeah. it like makes me feel like, did I miss like a giant something that... It wouldn't surprise me if somewhere there's a deleted scene or right. a deleted script page where... They just came up with a reason for Luthen to meet this guy, so you have it grounded. But then I I wonder if they got rid of it or if it ever existed because it feels like are are we supposed to feel that? Are we supposed to feel like I haven't even met this guy? Yeah, you know, almost like he doesn't matter. He's this MacGuffin, and that's fine too. You know, it's he's just this peg uh, yeah, on the board. yeah. I don't mind if it's this MacGuffin that there he gets pawned off on all of the sins that they've been like. Uh, um, that have happened throughout the series yeah. or whatever. But um, yeah, I don't know if that answered any of the questions Ben had. No, I think it, I okay. don't think Ben was asking a question as much as Ben's Ben's just trying to understand himself yeah. through you, Clint. And and I was think that we, helpful? I don't know. I, it was to me. Okay. Ben was helpful to me because I'm like, that is Clint. Oh my yeah. goodness. That's uh that explains so much. Um, but let's let's spin up Cenatron and see what we get this week. Let's do it. Okay, Ken, I got one for us. Uh, you've got the grin that you get when I'm about to put my forehead on the microphone and sigh. Yeah, you're ready to hear the, <laughs> the forehead sure. on the mic? Okay, chaos walking. Chaos walking, what's that? It's got... It is not ringing any bell. It's got Tom Holland and David oh. Ritt. <laughs> This has a whopping 21% on Rotten Tomatoes. What you're hearing right now is just me smacking my head against the microphone. So I started this movie. I made it 25 minutes in this movie and uh-huh. swore I was not coming back. So I I will. I will. I just raved about the benefit of being assigned a movie. But, oh, Clint. <laughs> Man, you're. Have you watched any of this? No, I didn't have, have any. Have you seen interest. a trailer? No. Uh, yeah, I saw the trailer. You are you are in for the first twenty five minutes. You are in for a treat, my friend. Uh, but we will watch Chaos Walking. I will do this for you. And oh, this this movie. Okay, I think it's on. It was on Amazon at some point. Yeah, it's probably there, Hulu or Netflix or wherever they bargain. Uh, it's on it. Hulu. Okay. Oh, Clint. Right after I just man, we just have fun with about these the too. point of Centron. We do, we do. What was the one with Cody uh, Schmidt McPhee? Oh yeah, that, that, that spun off a whole episode. Yeah, uh, twenty one sixty. We're gonna do a whole Tom Holland episode. I don't know. We're gonna do uh, that was a all Tom movie. Holland movies next. Let me ask you a question: uh, Have you, by any chance, seen Black Panther: Wakanda Forever? No. Highly recommend. It. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was genuinely shocked by this movie. Hmm. It is 
dark and somber. It is a two-hour reflection on loss and grief hmm. and and passing and how people deal with grief and how different people deal with grief in different ways and how some people come to terms with things sooner than other people. And like, yeah, the whole Marvel superhero thing is underneath all of that. Yeah. But I I really felt like this is this is a Marvel movie that's doing something very, very different. Mm-hmm. And only occasionally did it feel ordinary. Even uh, by the end, it does have the CG spectacle battle. Yeah. But you only see that for a few minutes. And it pulls away to kind of the the new person who's taken on the Black Panther mantle and Namor in this battle. But the battle is is about way more than the action scene. Yeah. And so even there, that third act felt much weightier. And this also had hands down the best. It only has one in credit scene. It's in a mid credit scene. Mm. Hands down, best uh, mid credit scene I've ever seen a Marvel movie do. Um, and and I'm probably over raving for this. Uh, I'm I'm not expecting you to appreciate it at the level I appreciate it. It's not gonna be a Thor Love and Thunder, is it? No. Okay. No. 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 But I I really think this one has some some very unique elements. It does what the first Black Panther did with African cultures, mm-hmm. but it also does it now with Mayan and and South American cultures. Mm-hmm. Uh, instead of doing the whole Atlantis and Greco-Roman thing that yeah. we've seen before, this is a very unique take on these two kingdoms at war. And they both have these very uh, ancient ancestor uh, lines mm. tracing back. And I just – it uh, it still had some light moments, but this is this is one of the, the heavier Marvel movies I've seen. There was very little huh. uh, quippiness or one-liners or or funny moments. It still had that. Yeah. Uh, and it still had some moments that'll probably stick out to you as like, why'd they go that? They didn't need that. Uh-huh. Um, but it's, I, I, it, it was really, really solid. That's I think cool. you should check it out. Yeah. So, okay. I'll probably wait till it's on Disney uh, Plus, but. Well, that was not what you were supposed <laughs> to say at the end of, did you just hear everything I said? If you make me go to the theater with you, I will, but... Okay. Uh, I'll even buy your ticket. Oh, my goodness. What a I, gentleman. You know, maybe maybe I'm just wrong about this movie, or maybe you are done with Marvel, No, I was but, interested in it. Okay. Now, have you heard about James Gunn in DC? Yeah. Does that provide you any excitement at all? Because um, you enjoyed Peacemaker, didn't you? Yeah, I enjoyed that, and I didn't mind the, um, the Suicide Squad that he did. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it gives me hope that maybe he can do something cool with it. And maybe right the wrongs. Yeah. I I like him a lot. Yeah, his next, uh, he's got the Guardians of the Galaxy Christmas special coming out here in a week or so. Oh, did he actually Disney direct Plus. that? Yep. Oh, that's cool. I didn't yep. know that. And people are raving about it. It's, that's cool. It just released to critics and people are saying it's it's like holiday classic. But he's doing a movie too, right? Like a full... yeah, he's doing Guardians of the Galaxy 3, okay. which, but it's still... Oh, I did. A year away. It's oh. next next fall, next winter, something gotcha. like that. This is just a little yeah. a moosh boosh to hold us over to mm-hmm. to that. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So all right. Um, I would suggest there are a couple of things coming out before our next episode. There's the menu coming uh-huh. to, I believe, HBO Max. Oh, it I is? think comes out before our next episode or maybe the episode after that. But it's getting some good buzz. I was interested um, in that one. Yeah, I am too. That might be one to check out. And there's a couple of other things that, that we'll have I on I want to see that movie Tar. 
Mm, with that's up on Amazon. Uh, I was going to oh, nice. uh, snag that uh, digitally. Cool. We can watch that. Uh, and then also the uh, sequel to A Christmas Story. Uh-huh. Um, and I would have never brought that up because I watched the trailer and I had zero interest in watching this movie. Yeah. But then Shock of Shocks at Blu-ray.com, uh, the guy who does the theatrical reviews there and uh-huh. has done them for years. Nice guy named Brian. But um, he uh, he reviewed it and gave it like 9 out of 10. Huh. And he is notoriously hard on movies. Uh-huh. And I was just completely, yeah. Uh, this is the kind of movie that, that this guy should do a three or a four out uh-huh. of 10 to. So all of a sudden it moved on to my curiosity list. Maybe it just struck him in the the nostalgic tingle kind of area or whatever, but I was just like, huh. So I'm gonna I'm gonna check out that Christmas story sequel. It's on HBO Max. There was something about like I had always heard the rumor that somebody, one of the characters was in porno afterwards. <laughs> And I always thought it was the main Ralphie character. Like, he grew up to be important. But it was the friend. Oh, okay. That sticks his tongue to the pole. He, that guy's back in this. I know. I saw that. Okay. That's why I... didn't I, know that he had a, he had a, a career a, elsewhere. He had, a, he had a, some extra ter, uh, career. Extracurricular. Yeah, curricular. Career, curric, curricular. Words, words curriculars. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll be back uh, for episode 67 with some more delights. I think uh, we're going to move out of the season of of scares into the season of thanks and then holiday cheer and see what we come up with. And, of course, by the end of the year, we will do our best of 2022, which, man, this has been a good year for movies. I, yeah, it uh, has. I'm, I'm going to reference 2022 as kind of a... Uh, a banner year for for movies and TV. I've really enjoyed this year. Yeah, they've been really good series uh, too. A lot of stuff come out. So uh, anyway, uh, my name is Ken and this is Clint. I don't know why I said that. <laughs> this has been episode 66 of Cinebabble and we will see you guys next time. Bye, Ken. Bye, Clint. Bye, Clint.